right. Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see your smiling, excited, energetic faces after our uh, special guest visitor today. Um, it's, it's good to see. I, I see we have a, a few uh, visitors with us, so uh, welcome, everyone, uh, new and, and old, young and not as young. And uh, we're just uh, thankful, you know, that the body of Christ is, is so diverse, and that's, you know, one of the wonderful things that my family and I have loved about this church is the the diversity of, of um, just everybody being able to, to learn from one another and, and share our different experiences, share our, our different um, life contexts, and, and that's, that's how we grow together in Christ. Um, so just a word of introduction, I, it was brought to my attention that when I preached uh, two weeks ago that I said, Hello, my name, I am not Gunner, but then I didn't say who I was. And so, uh, so my name is James. Um, I'm a, a Navy chaplain, um, currently stationed at Camp Pendleton. And, uh, on that note, um, I am on duty. I'm on call this weekend. So, um, if you see my wife step out because of a phone call, um, no, I won't just disappear mid-sermon, but, you know, right after the service, I'll have to uh, make a quick exit. Lord willing, that won't be the case, but just want to give you a heads up so you're not like, oh man, you know, gunners running them off, so. which may may wind up being the case, but hopefully not. Uh, some uh, announcements, you know, most of the announcements, well, really um, many of them are in the bulletin. So the big one that I just want to highlight is Darren Eights. It's a great opportunity for uh, just great fellowship, connecting with different families and and folks in the church. Uh, just a great opportunity to uh, get to know each other better, and uh, what better way to do that than besides gathering together for worship uh, on Sundays, but to actually break bread uh, together in our homes. So I definitely encourage those of you who are interested to sign up, and if you're not interested, talk to somebody else, and hopefully they'll get you interested. And uh, yeah, uh, we're looking forward to that. Um, so introduction, uh, we are uh, here in our, just really the beginnings of our study in the book of Ephesians. Um, Brother John did an excellent job last week uh, kicking off the, uh, the series for us. Um, oh, yes, thank you. Uh, on announcements, uh, for at this time, any, any kids that would like to head on to uh, Sunday School, uh, no, you're not trapped in here, uh, so... <laughs> Awesome. Well, I encourage you to, to turn with me in, in, uh, in your uh, Bible to Ephesians uh, chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 7 through 10. Um, and just, uh, you know, again, uh, Brother John did a great job of, of kicking off uh, the, our uh, journey through Ephesians, really tackling some, uh, some tough truths, um, you know, subjects such as, you know, predestination, election, adoption, uh, but as, as we as we journeyed through that, we really saw that it, it set up uh, the context for our passage today, which is really getting at the at the root of the gospel. And uh, so, so um, we're going to read read our passage together. Ephesians chapter one, verses seven through ten. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us. In all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Let's pray. 
Gracious Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for today. We thank you for just the uh, joy and privilege it is to gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ to worship you together in spirit and in truth, Lord, and, and to sit underneath uh, just the teaching of your word, Lord. We ask that you would just um, humble us now, open our ears to hear your word, our hearts to receive it, Lord, and, and open my mouth to uh, be able to speak your word clearly, Lord, and that, that you would use it to to transform our lives to, so that we can be uh, more Christ-like and, and better ambassadors uh, that you've called us to be. We thank you and praise you and ask all these things. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. Well, um, before we dive in, you know, I just wanted to, to make a quick side note on uh, on theology. You know, we're, we're you know going through the Book of Ephesians. There's a lot of uh, uh, deep theological truths, and uh, sometimes that can be intimidating uh, for us. Sometimes, in fact, I'd say a lot of um, the church today, especially you know modern uh, churches, really try to downplay theology, saying like, well. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe Jesus. And while yes, that sounds good, and while yes, you know, that is the root, the root of the gospel is putting our faith and trust in Christ and his work on the cross, and that's what we're going to be looking at today. It's important for us to have a good framework of of our understanding. And I, I love the way uh um R.C. Sproul put it. Um he said, Everyone is a theologian, because when we really begin to study God's word and desire with sincerity to know more about him and know our how our relationship is with him and how that impacts our lives and impacts how we relate to the world around us we're becoming theologians and so i and invite you encourage you to uh to join us um in these next uh several weeks and really throughout the rest of your life to to don't shy away from you know being a theologian maybe not with a capital t but you know de- definitely with a lowercase t as as we desire to study god's word and and grow together and so with that, you know, we'll, we'll dive right in, um, to our passage today. You know, we're looking at really at, at some of the foundational principles of the gospel. And, you know, with verse seven, it kicks off with, in him being Christ, we have redemption through his blood. And, uh, you know, again, we, we just celebrated, uh, Easter recently and where we reflected on, on Christ, um, you know, going to the cross, his his suffering, his his death, and then celebrating his resurrection. And so, you know, it's easy for us to say, like, oh, yes, we, we know that that's what Jesus did. Uh, but really, like, taking a step back and seeing, like, what all does that entail? What all does that mean when we say that Jesus died on the cross to save us from our sins and to give us eternal life? Well, uh, Paul here today is, is doing a great job at, uh, at unpacking that, helping us have a better understanding of, of the depth of that truth. Um, and so he kicks it off and he says, redemption. We have redemption. You know, what does that mean? What, is, what does redemption mean? Well, um, when we look at the understanding of redemption, it, it is related to uh, you know, ransoming somebody, deliverance, liberation from captivities, slaves being set free. You know, this, that last song that we sang this morning you know, is talking about free. We are free. And, you know, that is what, that's the reality of, of redemption, of salvation is, is we are being liberated. We are being freed from the captivity of sin. Romans 3.23 says that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And in John chapter 8, uh, Jesus says that everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. 
And so, you know, we would we'd be amiss if we think somehow like, oh, well, we we don't have to worry about um, that struggle with sin. No, you know, Scripture's clear that without Christ, we are slaves to sin. But the the beauty of the gospel is that you know, through Christ's redeeming work, through His blood, we are no longer slaves to sin. And uh, you know, that's that's the uh, that goes on to the the next point is is we're redeemed by His blood, and that is uh, that's something you know. Again, we can we if we're not careful, we can take that lightly. I mean, yes, his sacrifice is, is real, tangible, but that's a stumbling block to a lot of folks today. Um, the world, when they hear, you know, the, the sacrifice of Christ for our sins, they say, well, that's, that's nonsense. That, that, that doesn't make any sense because we're so far removed in our modern uh, framework from any notion of, of sacrifice, definitely not, you know, animal or human or, or a blood sacrifice. And yet we realize that uh, really up until the spread of Christianity, blood sacrifice was a common practice throughout the world. Um, throughout, um, And in fact, many pagan religions today still uh, practice some sort of, of blood sacrifice, um, whether it's animals or, or whatnot. Um, and, you know, we, we shouldn't be surprised because, you know, we recognize that our roots, our beginnings, trace back to the very beginning, to the book of Genesis, Genesis to the fall. And we see in Genesis chapter 3, the, the first uh, sacrifice was God shedding the animals to make clothes for Adam and Eve after they had sinned. And then we see in Genesis 4, the first instance of man offering an animal sacrifice, which was instituted as an atonement ritual to God on behalf of our sin. And then we see, uh, if any of you have uh, you know, wrestled through the uh, sluggish journey of Leviticus, um, I say that tongue-in-cheek because it is tough, but the more that we realize the, uh, the depth of, of what we believe, we are able to go back to the Old Testament and even books like Leviticus and see the deeper meaning behind, you know, the the uh, the Levitical law and, and the sacrifices that God required. And so we think, you know, why why were all these sacrifices required uh, by God in the Old Testament, and and why do we see so many, uh, you know, pagan religions that that continued on, and and many of which still try to continue on uh, that practice here today. You know, is there anything you know mystical about that that transference with of you know animals being sacrificed? And and the reality is is no. Um, the the power of those sacrifices were that they were a foreshadowing for Christ. Christ being the the sacrifice, the only true sacrifice that takes away our sin, that, that takes away the sin of the world. And it's but God knew how important it was to him, and he wanted his people to understand how important it was. And so that's why he instituted that, was so that his people would have an understanding of the weightiness, the weightiness of our sin when we transgress, when we sin against our God who is all-powerful, who is all-loving, and who is, is so very patient and gracious uh, with us. And again, you know, the, the main thing was it being a foreshadowing to Christ being that perfect sacrifice, that true um, freeing us and redeeming us from our sin. And so this, friends, is 
is really the, uh, the, the crux of our faith. Um, our sins are atoned for by Christ's blood, his death on the cross. Nothing that we can or ever could do would be an acceptable sacrifice. Only Christ, God himself, the spotless lamb, can atone for our sins. And that's what Paul is, is driving at today as is, is, is he walks us through these, these uh, foundations of the gospel. And then that leads us to the next point, which is the forgiveness of our trespasses. You know, yes, Jesus, um, he died on the cross. He was that, that perfect sacrifice. But what he was doing is, is he was providing forgiveness for the sin that, that, you know, we were due the full wrath of our sin, the full wrath of God. We know that, again, the wages of sin is death. And that, you know, it's, it's death and slavery. Those are the, uh, those are the realities of sin. And yet, through Christ's work, we have forgiveness. We have freedom. We have forgiveness of our sin, we, which is the uh, restoration of our our relationship with God. You know, no longer does He call us enemies, but now He calls us friends. He calls us sons and daughters. That's the that is the reality of what forgiveness means to us. And uh, you know, it's. I just uh, over the past couple weeks, I was uh, doing counseling with a. Um, a senior naval officer, you know, he'd he's been in the the navy for uh, well, in the service uh, for you know, coming on thirty years, and has been married for uh, over thirty years, and is going through uh, just a, a struggle in his his marriage, and and he was he was sharing with me how like yes, that was a it's been a struggle, and and yet by going through this hardship, he said that it humbled him, and it. His eyes were opened afresh and anew um, to to the real notion of forgiveness and of grace, because for so often we can take that for granted and we forget that, oh man, we're we're a bunch of sinners. Like that's a, that's the reality. That's the truth. And uh, oftentimes, um, when we lose tra- sight of that, when we lose track of that, we our pride gets in the way. We think like, oh, like, you know, we're, we're good. And, and yet we, we fall into temptation of sin. And so, you know, it's, it's, it was a good reminder for me. I'm like, man, you know, I come to this passage today and, and he said, you know, because of going through that, because of having that new awareness of forgiveness, he's able to see God's word in a new light. He, he no longer is just going through the motions, you know, sitting on listening to sermons and thinking, Oh yeah, that, that that message that that word's good for uh, you know brother so and so or sister so and so. Like no, he said he's like I realized like my eyes were open, the Holy Spirit opened my heart to where I was. I was like, man, God, you're talking to me. Like you're this is you're talking to me. And so that's you know that that's um, what I hope that each and every one of us, uh, myself absolutely included, uh, get to that point where where we come to God's word and we say like Lord like. You're talking to me, and uh, I know that I've I faced that in my own life, and I, I hear some amens, and so I know that some of you have, have uh, faced that in your own lives. When we when we really take time to reflect on our lives and on the reality, the gravity of our sin, it allows us to have a greater appreciation of God's forgiveness and His grace. And so, you know, forgiveness for us means. You know, again, new life in Christ. We're no longer dead in our trespasses. We are reconciled, restored in our relationship to God. Romans 5 says that we're no longer enemies, but friends. 
In Galatians 3, it says we're sons and daughters of the Most High. And indeed, last week, we talked about that we are, in, we are adopted in Christ. And that with that forgiveness, with that restoration of, of right relationship, we get to receive God's blessings. Again, last week, we looked at verse 3 uh, here in chapter 1 of every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Not one, not two, not just a handful, but every spiritual blessing. And like, like our minds can't comprehend that. Like the more that we uh, go to God and, and study his word, the greater we are able to understand that. But still, like, like Brother John said, like we've got uh, pea-sized brains compared to, to God. And, and so it's, it's exciting. Um, and and the, the God still has revealed so much to us to, to learn and grow about. And then next week we'll be looking at in verse 11, that we've obtained an inheritance. You know, uh, Pastor Gunnell will be talking about that. You know, what what all that entails as far as this inheritance of, of faith and relationship with God. And moving along, you know, Paul says uh, we are receiving this forgiveness through the blood of Christ according to the riches of his grace. The riches of God's grace. Not according to our goodness, according to our deeds, or anything on our account, because, you know, Scripture says that our righteousness is as filthy rags, but it's according to the riches of God's grace. And, again, it's God's riches. He's not going to run out. He's not just like, oh, well, you know, I've got, en- I've got enough grace for, for you and you and you, but, no, I'm, I'm out. Like, no, God is, it's the richness of his grace, you know, Far greater than than our our minds can can comprehend, and yet there's there's beauty in that, knowing that God's grace is not going to run out, um, and uh, His grace, you know. Again, we looked at last week the, His glorious grace. But what it was His grace? Again, uh, Brother John touched on it last week. Uh, God's grace is His free favor to those who are undeserving, and that's that's all of us. None of us, um, I, you know, I, none of us, you know, maybe some of you are thinking like, well, yeah, I deserve God's grace. Like, no, <laughs> if, you, if you're that way, you know, my hope is, you know, the Holy Spirit will quicken your heart. Um, but uh, yeah, the reality is it's, it's undeserved favor. It's what God, out of his love, has poured out onto us, the richness of his grace through uh, Christ and what he did uh, on the cross. Titus 3, five says, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, jumping a little bit ahead uh, um, in Ephesians chapter 2, we'll see, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And it's not anything that we do. Again, it is we. If we boast, we boast in the Lord because it is is His richness of grace. And then Paul doesn't say, you know, oh well, it's His richness of grace that you know He sprinkles a tiny little bit on you, a tiny little bit on you. No, it says He lavished upon us. You know, it's that that pouring out, that super abundance, that being in excess. It's like you know, you know, you coming up and. Uh, um, you know, wanting to just, you know, you're, I think about like, if you're, if you're being, if you're parched, you're hot and, you know, you go up and you're like, oh man, I want to be cooled off. And, 
and you go up and somebody has you know a, a hose that they can spray you with and and that you come up and they just kind of missed you with it like you know no like lavish means like you come up and like they just crank on the fire hose and you're just like you get you know just soaked soaked in that you know refreshing uh cooling uh, reality. Some of you are like, well, you know, I've been sprayed by a fire hose. It's actually painful, you know. So for, <laughs> forgive the analogy, but you you get the point. You know, it's it's that overabundance. It's that God knows, you know, what we need, and 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 He desires to go above and beyond. He's not giving us the the bare minimum. He's not, you know, sh- you know, so so uh, uh, stingy where He's just like, oh well, nope, you've been bad today. I'm just giving you, a, you know, a little bit, of, a little pinch. No, He lavishes His love and His grace upon us. And and that should be a reminder to us and and how we, you know, we're recipients of God lavishing his grace on us. And so we should remember that when we're being gracious to other people. You know, are we gracious? Or are we like, well, you know, yeah, be gracious with you, but man, you do this again and man, it's game over. Like, yes, we're called to be, you know, wise, uh, but when it comes to uh, granting forgiveness and grace, man, we need to remember what we've received from God and, and let that um, change and challenge our attitudes and hearts towards other people. Again, moving along, we see that it is, it is this grace that's lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Now, there's two ways of interpreting this clause, both of which are supported by Scripture um, and seen elsewhere here in the book of Ephesians. Um, and what, the first is that God lavishes his forgiveness and grace on us in accordance to his wisdom and understanding, which that makes sense. You know, again, when we understand that God is doing this, yes, for our benefit, and yes, we are gracious recipients, but ultimately he's doing it for his glory. And so he's doing it within um, his wisdom and his understanding, which is far greater than any of ours, again, you know, uh, John, Brother John put it well. You know, our our brains compared to God's brain, like, oof, no no contest. And, and if any of you are thinking, like, well, you don't know how smart I am, oof, <laughs> I do compared to God. You're still not that smart. Um, but yeah, no. And so again, that that wonderful um, assurance that it is according to God's wisdom and His understanding that He has chosen to bring about the gospel to bring about his his plan and purpose of salvation and redemption for his people and really the entire uh, creation and that it's not random and without purpose it is very intentional that god is is doing things choosing to do things the way that he does even if it doesn't always make sense to us even when things are difficult for us god in his infinite wisdom and understanding is choosing to unfold um, his his grace on our lives but then the other way to look at this is that he gives us wisdom and insight as gifts in accordance to his gifts of grace and forgiveness. And to me, you know, this, this, uh, fits well in, in the context, you know, especially leading into verse nine, because it's, it's hard for us to have an understanding of God's will if, if, if he doesn't give us the gift of wisdom and understanding. And so again, you know, moving along here in verse 9, we see that God is making known to us the mystery of his will. Again, it's God making known to us, not us trying to figure it out on our own. Because if, you know, 
if we are trying to do that on our own without the work of the Holy Spirit, without the guidance of God's word, then we're going to wind up empty-handed. We're going to wind up lost and confused and, and further yet be a stumbling block and further confusion to others. When we look at this word mystery, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a word that can trip up people. You know, we, but the reality is the, the word mystery here means those things formerly kept secret in the purpose of God, but that God has now chosen to disclose or reveal to us. You know, that's, that's what mystery means. It means that it, it really, it was a mystery. It was an unknown. It was something that God chose to keep secret, to keep veiled. Um, and yet through Christ and through God's continual revelation, um, sorry, that's mine. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so, uh, through, you know, through God's revelation, He is, and His wisdom, He's chosen to reveal this mystery, to make it known, to make it understandable to us. And I, I think many as, uh, we as Christians can get bogged down trying to figure out more secret mysteries of God's Word. And there's a lot in there, but so much of it, is made known when we take the time to study God's word. It doesn't require, you know, um, going and, and seeking other other things. You know, uh, in fact, I would say many heresies and and cults have followed down this path, thinking that there's somehow some secret mystery of God's hidden truth and knowledge found outside of Scripture and outside of of the Holy Spirit. And in fact, we look back throughout history, not only in, in pagan cultures which deny uh, God's word, uh, but even within um, so-called sects of our of our faith, and and even going back to Judaism, there was you know the the uh, mystics that called themselves the Kabbalahs, and you know um, just interesting, but don't get stuck down that rabbit trail. Just know that they departed from God's word and started trying to find this secret hidden knowledge, the secret truth to to supposedly know God better, but in reality is it caused them to depart from the truth of God's word and to prevent them from really growing in their true relationship with God. And we see the Gnostics did the same thing in the early church. Um, and so, you know, that was something that a lot of the New Testament writers, especially, you know, look at uh, John and Peter and some of the others, they were addressing this this notion that somehow you've got to do something else, something beyond just, you know, the basic tenets of Scripture to figure out some hidden truth, hidden mystery of God. And then we see that again with some, you know, the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons today. Again, a departure from God's Word as the sufficient revelation that God has given us. And so, you know, God has chosen in His infinite wisdom what parts of his mystery, of the mystery that is sufficient for our salvation and our journey in faith of ongoing sanctification. So again, God has chosen to make known this mystery. It's not something that we need to just struggle to seek outside of Scripture. No, like, man, if you want to mine for gold, this is where the gold's at. Um, so, and then moving on again, it's the mystery of his will. Now we come to this this term, his will, and I'll resist the rabbit trail of of you know talking about you know is this God's sovereign will or his moral will or how our free will operates within it. 
Uh, Gunner can tackle that uh, <laughs> next week and the weeks to come. Um, but you know, we know reading the this passage in its immediate context, we see that God's will is referring to uniting all things in heaven and earth in Christ. Like that's that's what the context is. That's what Scripture says. His will that He is has made known to us is that He's working to reunite all things to Himself through Christ, and it's according to His purpose. Again, verse 5 we looked at, it's according to the purpose of his will. This Our passage today continues that theme, that none of this is by accident. This is all what God's had planned since the very foundation of the world. This has been his plan uh, to bring about redemption of his people, to bring about healing and restoration of creation, and uniting all things together in him through Christ. And we would be... We would do well to remember, you know, first or sorry, John chapter one verses one through five, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Again. This purpose, this plan of redemption, of uniting all things to himself in Christ, which he set forth in Christ. You know, Christ coming and dying on the cross was not an accident. It wasn't like God's plan B of like, oh, y'all messed up. Like, I, I got to fix it. No, God chose to bring about this so that we would have a better understanding of of our just the richness, the depths of His love, the depths of His grace, the depths of of our our frailty, you know, our our just how we are in relationship to God, our our finitude, if you will, um, just compared to God and His grandness. You know, God has chosen to bring about this. And and we are just wonderful recipients of this, of his grace, of his redemption, of his mercy. And yet it's exciting because like we get to join in this work. God has chosen to to call us out, to be his people, to to set forth, you know, us carrying out to proclaim this very gospel that we're looking at today. And it says, you know, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things to him. Again, fullness of time being past present, and future, you know, we are humbled and yet should be curious and even passionate that, you know, as God opens our hearts and minds to understand him, that we would be excited to, to join in, to participate in his will of uniting all things together through him. And, uh, you know, we get a better glimpse in Romans chapter 8, and I won't read it all, but it's a discussion that all creation awaits the day that it will be free from the corruption of sin, and just as we are, and that, that we, uh, his chosen people, are the first fruits of that restoration, of that uniting all things together in Christ. And then uh, the, the last part of this passage is, is things in heaven and things on earth. You know, I think about, you know, again, that's, that's everything. Um, you know, the Apostle Paul is making it very clear. And, and those who 
uh, would have heard is were hearing this for the first time would have immediately, um, much like many of us today, you know, when you hear he- heaven and earth, you know, I immediately think about the Lord's Prayer. You know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And uh, in Philippians chapter 2, we see that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And so that's, you know, that's a reminder that, yes, God is uniting all things in heaven and earth to himself. And the, uh, the beauty is, you know, we get to receive that through uh, Christ's atonement. We get to receive that forgiveness. But the reality is that uniting all things to Christ is going to happen one way or another. And, you know, just as we read the, in Philippians 2, every knee shall bow and tongue confess. And not just those who are, have, have uh, responded to the gospel now, but even those who have rejected the gospel, they will be held accountable. And they will come, you know, as, as proud and as arrogant as folks are uh, today um, in rejecting Christ, there will come a day of reckoning where God's going to reveal his might and his glory in, in a level that, that we have yet to experience. And the book of Revelation paints that clear, you know, it's, and uh, throughout the rest of the gospel and the scripture, it's going to be a very terrible day for those who, who do not respond to the gospel. And so I share that, you know, as a reminder for us to, to not take that, that gift, this gift of the gospel, this gift of Christ's work on the cross for granted. Um, in our own lives and, and in the lives of those around us. Because, again, the reminder um, of the gospel today is that we need it. You know, Luke 18 reminded of the parable of, you know, Jesus talking about the, the Pharisee and the tax collector that are, you know, praying. And, you know, as many of you may recall, you know, the Pharisee was the one saying, Lord, Thank you that I'm not a sinner like that tax collector, and uh, um, and just the, the arrogance of of you know coming to God and saying you know, and it wasn't a, you know oh thank you that you've been gracious to me and and not allowed me to stumble upon that path. No, it was thank you that I'm not as bad as him. Um, and yet we see you know Jesus shows the the contrast. The tax collector is truly broken over his sin. He truly understands the weight of his sin and his need of forgiveness and sal- salvation and, and God's grace. And he says, you know, Lord, he's beating his breast, asking for God's forgiveness. And and so that's uh, that's the attitude that, that we need to have when we come to uh, the gospel, when we come to God's word, um, that we remember how much we need the gospel, and then we also remember how much the world around us needs the gospel. Because again, God's working to unite all things to himself, but he has called us as the church to, to be the salt and the light, to carry out the great commission of, of proclaiming this gospel to those around us, whether it's family, friends, co-workers, you know, wherever God has placed us in. He's, he's called us to, to task. He's called us to join in this work of uniting all things to himself. And secondly, when I, when I look at this passage, 
I'm just reminded of the assurance of salvation. You know, when we fall into the trapping of, of thinking like, oh, Lord, I've, I've screwed up. I've screwed up bad. Like that's, that's a good place to be, but that's not where you should stay. Because the reality is, again, as we looked at it, God lavishes his grace on us. He's, he's just longing as a, a loving father, as, as the, as we look, remember the prodigal sons, you know, as, as the prodigal son returned to his father, his father didn't, he just wasn't there waiting to beat him over the head and say like, well, no, you screwed up too bad. No, he welcomed, he ran and embraced him. And, and that's the picture that we have of that grace being lavished on us. And so if you are at a point where you're, you're struggling in, in sin and you're wondering like, oh, have I, have I done too much? Am I too far gone? Got, you know, no, the answer is no, you're not too far gone. You're too far gone if you're trying to do it all by yourself. But again, the, the gospel is that it is God's work. Christ's work on the cross, his atoning sacrifice through his blood that grants us forgiveness, that grants us that grace, and that we're not saved by our good works, but by God's grace through Christ's atoning death and resurrection. And that's the assurance of salvation that we have, not by anything that we do, but by what God has done. And then thirdly, it gives us hope for the future. Again, knowing that even though we don't have a full understanding of how God is working things out, he's chosen to reveal uh, a good portion of that through Scripture for us to be able to understand as we take time to study God's Word and to apply it to our lives. And just as we looked last week, we're reminded in today's passage that God is in control. None of this is by accident. None of this is God's second best. You know, I, I think about my understanding of, of God's will in the past that, uh, um, you know, I would think like, okay, well, if I disobeyed you, God, you know, and I chose door A instead of door B, well, somehow I was going to get God's second best for my life. Well, thankfully, that's not how God operates. He is in control. He has, He knows everything, and he's working all things together for our good, for his glory. And even though we don't always understand it, even though we're confused when we go through times of uh, struggle and trial, and even when we stumble along our, our uh, journey of faith, it's, it's a joyous thing knowing that, hey, it's not a surprise to God. He's, he's going to work it out. He's, he continues and is in the business of working things out. And uh, even when things seem bleak, God is at work. And that's a comfort as we look around and, and even in our American culture today, certainly here in the state of California, um, where we can easily be discouraged and see like, oh, well, it looks like, you know, looks like God's losing the battle. No, no, God is not losing the battle. God is, is he's, yeah, he's already won. Amen. He's already won. Um, his, his victory is, is final. And yet we, you know, we go through this life right now seeing how God is choosing to unfold it. And it can be discouraging if we don't have that mindset that God's in control, or it can be encouraging knowing like, man, things look bleak, but God is in control. And he's called us to be light in a very dark world. And so let's let our light shine. And so, you know, brothers and sisters, you know, again, from the very beginning to now in our lives and throughout eternity, God is working to unite all things in heaven and on earth in Christ 
Jesus our Lord. And that's, that's the reality of the gospel. And that's the truth that we're to walk in every day that God has us here. Let's pray. Gracious God, again, we thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you that, Lord, that you have given us your gospel. You've given us your word. You have chosen to reveal these truths to us. And so, Lord, I just ask that you would, again, help us to have humble hearts, um, that, Lord, that we would not be like the Pharisee that says, you know, where we look at your word, we look at your grace, and we think, oh, well, you know, I don't need it. You know, somebody else needs it, Lord, but that we would be, humble and that we would, uh, Lord, that we would be thankful for your grace, Lord, and that, that we would be bold in the understanding and application of your truth in our lives. And, and Lord, as we have a better understanding of the gospel, Lord, that it would uh, prepare us and equip us for sharing your gospel to the world around us that is in so much need of it. So, Lord, we thank you and praise you and ask all these things in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, um, we ha- now have the uh, wonderful uh, joy and privilege to, uh, to get to another glimpse of what that uniting all things in Christ is, and, and that is through communion. That's through the Lord's table. And so uh, I'll invite my uh, um, brothers that are helping out with communion this morning. Again, you know, we... Um, this this fellowship, the Lord's table, you know, it's it's a reminder of of God's covenant, um, His covenant of grace, His covenant of forgiveness. It's it's a reminder of you know the the blood shed for us, His body that was broken for us, and so you know as as we uh, get to join in partaking of communion together, it is a reminder, uh, a tangible, a physical reminder of the truth of the gospel. And, you know, again, the, the wonderful thing is that, that God knows that we're all wired differently. Some of us are, you know, we're very, uh, you know, we're wired uh, more mentally, some of us, uh, intellectually, some of us are more like hands-on. And so when you, when, that's why God's given us, you know, the Lord's uh, Supper, so that we get both that, that a reassurance of the intellectual knowledge, but also that, that hands-on reminder, that, that physical reminder of the work that he has done. And so, you know, as, as uh, it's going around, I again just invite you to take a few moments to reflect on the truth of the gospel, to reflect on God's grace, to forget, reflect on um, the forgiveness that each and every one of us has received, you know, for, for our, to save us, to redeem us from our sin. You know, because uh, I don't know about you, but uh, if, you're, if you're like me, you know, that, that sin, you know, wasn't, you know, applicable to, you know, my life, you know, three years ago or 10 years ago. You know, that, that applies to today, <laughs> to this morning. You know, God's mercies are new every morning. And so we have uh, the, the Lord's table, that reminder um, of, of forgiveness of, um, of what Christ has done for us. And so the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup 
as the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And that's the beauty, is, is it's a foretaste. It's a foretaste of that perfect uniting with Christ that one day we'll, we'll be able to experience when we see Christ face-to-face, when we see God face-to-face and have a, a full understanding, not just the, the, uh, the limited capacity that we have now, but the full understanding of his grace and his mercy. Gracious Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. Lord, we thank you for these elements, the, this juice and this, this bread, Lord, that you have chosen to, to be uh, a reminder of the gospel truth, Lord, of you being broken, you being put to death, put to death for our sins. And, and Lord, we get to join in the fellowship with the saints, Lord, today and every day throughout eternity. And so, Lord, we ask that you would bless this, that you would use it to strengthen our faith and grow us in our knowledge of you and our love for you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.